Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. We're continuing to look at Paul's final thoughts to the church at Ephesus, and he's warning them about the reality that we find ourselves in a spiritual war. I don't know if you've uh, been cognizant of that fact even more recently as we walk through the text that we're fighting a spiritual battle, not only against our flesh, but against the devil and the world. And Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and to us as Doxa Church, reminding us that we are in a spiritual battle. And the Word of God says this in verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore. Having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for that, excuse me, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is God's word for God's people. Jesus, would you um, bless the reading and hearing of your word? Would you help us to behold? Would you help us to be transformed, and would you help us to obey in a proper way according to what you are saying in the text and what is going on in our lives? We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So, faith is not Swahili. Faith is not Swahili. I don't know if you are familiar with Swahili, but it's the language of the people of East Africa. Swahili is the dialect that is used among the people of East Africa. But faith is not like Swahili. Uh, Not every person in here, you may have studied Swahili language, you may have studied the culture of the Swahili people, but that doesn't mean that you are innately born with an understanding of Swahili, right? We'd all agree with that. But the truth is, faith is a language that is universal to every human being. Every human being that has been created in the image of God has this faith muscle that exists in all of us, is that we're always, human beings, we're always exercising faith. We're exercising faith in a lot of different ways. Like if you get in the automobile and you drive over a bridge, you are exercising faith that this bridge will hold you up, right? If you go to a restaurant and you order a meal and you can't watch the person that is making your meal, you are doing it, what? You are exercising faith. If you 
are the parent of a teenager who turns 15 years old and you hand the car keys to the 15 year old and you sit in the passenger seat, you are exercising great faith. That's right, John. You are exercising great faith. Because faith is something that is universal to every human being. We are always exercising faith. You're sitting in a chair, you're exercising faith. However, the Apostle Paul is not talking about this universal idea or central thing that, about faith that human beings all have and share. He's talking about a distinct faith as you look at verse 16. Look back at the text. He says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Paul speaks about a distinct faith that is necessary, which he speaks about in the second part of verse 16, that you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. See, Paul speaks about a very distinct faith. As you look at the first part of the equipment that we've seen, Paul saying, if you want to stand against the wiles of the devil, if you want to stand against the enemy, and you understand that you are in a spiritual battle, you need to have, what, the belt of truth, verse 14, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shoes on your feet, the gospel of peace. But now he says the, those things that you have on you already, now he moves and takes up a verb that says, take up the shield of faith. Now that verb right there in verse 16, take up the shield of faith, he's already used it once before in verse 13. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. And so Paul is talking about the reality that you have to do something. That you have the armor of God upon you, you have the breastplate of righteousness, that every one of us that has placed faith in Jesus Christ, you stand right before God. You don't have to do anything to achieve righteousness. You receive righteousness by faith. That's how you are a Christian, by faith. Amen? But then he says you must have the belt of truth fastened upon you. That means you have something that's truthful, that reminds you of truth and tells you what truth is. You don't have to have an opinion about truth. You have objective truth and it's given to you through the scriptures. And then he says you have feet and you have boots upon your feet and they give you peace. The gospel peace. You have peace with God and you have peace to declare to every human being. But now he moves to the point where you have to do something. Just like Kids, when your mom or dad tells you to go brush your teeth right now or clean up your room, the Apostle Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus, and he's saying to you and I, take up the shield of faith. you got to do something. And that's what Christianity, it's easy to get lost in it, and this is not legalism, but Christianity encourages personal responsibility. We have to do something. And Paul says, you have to do something if you hope to stand against the wiles of the devil. And what is the do something? Verse 16 says, you take up the shield of faith. What do you hear, when you hear the word faith, what do you think about? What are the things that come to your mind when you think about the faith? When Paul talks about the shield of faith, what is the faith that enters your imagination? Some of us think that faith is this leap in the dark, right? Right? It's this leap in the dark. It's crossing your fingers. 
right? Hoping for the best. Sometimes we think that faith is what? It's blind. You're just, you're just walking around hoping things play out in a, in a way that's pleasing and hoping it doesn't play out in a way that is upsetting. But the Apostle Paul isn't talking about that kind of faith. True biblical faith, the faith in which Paul talks about, that word faith is a noun. It's a noun that talks about confidence and assurance. Confident assurance in things yet to be seen. See, faith that Paul speaks of and speaks so frequently about, and the faith that you understand as a Christian, if you are a Christian or if you become a Christian or you hope to become a Christian, faith that Paul speaks about is not ignorant. It's informed. Faith is informed... Now write this down. I want you to kind of take this with you. Faith is careful, resolved, reasoned, deliberate, intentional thought and reflection on what? On God and all of his promises. That biblical faith that Paul speaks about, that he is imploring the church at Ephesus to take up the shield of faith, he's saying that you're taking up assurance and confidence in the certain truth about who God is and what God has promised according to the Scriptures. That's what faith is. Paul says that you have to take up this shield of faith, this intentional, reasoned, deliberate thought and reflection upon the character of God and the promises of God. So faith isn't just believing there is God. Do you understand that? Demons, according to James 2, says demons even have a theology. They believe in God. But the faith in which Paul speaks about is this. It's not believing in God. It's believing God. Do you understand the difference? Is that if we take the classic youth group analogy and the, the classic illustration that I used over and over again as a student pastor is that you have the chair, Right? The chair, and I can believe that this is a chair. I can believe it has four legs. I believe that it will hold, hold me up. But until I sit in the chair, I don't know if that's really going to be identified and classified as a chair. It requires me to place my what? My trust. So Paul says, take up the shield of faith. He's saying, trust. Are you trusting Someone or something, and is that something or someone God? As you think about where you're at in the faith, and as you think about where you are as you're walking through this spiritual battle, have you been exercising biblical faith? Is your faith resting in God and all his promises. Paul says you must take up the shield of faith. When he says take up the shield of faith, he's talking about faith in God and his promises. Faith in God and his promises. Now the Roman soldier would take a shield into battle. Uh, This shield was typically large enough where they could hide behind it. It was made of wood. It was encased and engulfed in leather with metal binding on it. And before a soldier would walk into battle, 
uh, it wasn't uncommon for that shield to be dipped in water so that they could come into battle being prepared in case they received any fiery arrows from the enemy. And Paul says the shield of faith is like the shield of a Roman soldier. Faith is protection against the wiles of the devil. Faith is protection against the wiles of the devil. And faith is, is not only protection against the wiles of the devil, faith actually empowers us against the wiles of the devil. So two things that I want you to walk out of here and I want us to walk out of here as a church, understanding what faith is, we've already discussed that, but I want you to understand why faith is protection to us against the wiles of the devil. And then number two, faith is triumphant and empowers us against the wiles of the devil. Firstly, is that it is protection. Paul speaks about this shield as a means of protection. The soldier would stand in defense against their enemy and foe, and he would stand protected by the shield. Faith protects us, but protection infers that it's going to be tested. Your faith as a Christian is going to be tested. It's not an easy thing to be a Christian. Did you know that? Like, being a Christian is incredibly difficult. Uh, some of the misconceptions is that when you become a Christian and you start following Jesus, that life is sort of like lollipops, skipping on the beach and singing Jesus loves me, right? That it's easy. But those of us that have walked the faith journey or those of you that might be new to the faith journey, your faith will be tested if your faith is in God. Do you remember what happens in Genesis 3.1? The serpent comes to Eve and, and, and says what? Did God really say that? This, this directed attack on Eve and her faith in God, in God and His Word, He attacks her, what? Her faith in God. Her faith was being tested. And as we see the outcome of that, she failed the test and led to a rebellion in the entrance of sin, but her faith was tested. How is your faith being tested in this season? Do you see that your faith will be tested? If you don't see it, the truth is the devil wants you to think that the Christian faith is easy. He wants you to think it's going to be comfortable. It's going to be convenient. That's what the devil wants you to believe. And Paul is saying that your faith is going to be tested. If you hold up the shield, you're going to have to hold up the shield understanding that there is going to be some sort of blunt force trauma that comes upon the shield. Or you wouldn't need the shield. And too many of us are in this situation where we think that our faith will not be tested. And it's, our faith is tested in two ways. Our faith is tested in two ways. First, it's tested by light. And second, our faith is tested by, in darkness. Our faith is tested as far as our trust in God and all His promises as a follower of Jesus, walking in this spiritual battle, that our faith is going to be tested by light. Light meaning this, the light of God's Word. 
that as we walk the, Christian, uh, walk the Christian life in this fallen world, that we understand that when we under, understand that faith is going to be exposed, exposed by light. This is why Scripture and the role of Scripture in the life of a Christian is so incredibly important. That by light, it, it shows what kind of faith that you have. If you want to know what kind of faith you have as a Christian, is you look at what the Bible says real faith is and what real Christianity looks like in this crazy world. Is that faith is tested by light. Light exposes the quality of your faith. Jesus said in John 17, 17, he said, Sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. That God uses the scriptures and the light of the scriptures as a way to expose the imperfections that you have in your life and in your trust of God. It exposes your sinfulness. It exposes the, the places in your life where you seem to hold back and not give it fully to God. That's what the word does. It exposes where we have unbelief in our hearts. And you and I are always battling unbelief. But it's not only just exposed by the light of Scripture, our faith tested, but it's also in darkness. And this is the part where some of you know all too well because you've been a Christian for a very, very long time. And you have, with the psalmist says, I walk through the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. You've walked through hard seasons of life. You've experienced financial hardship. You've experienced health hardship. You've experienced relational hardship. You've experienced church conflict. And in the middle of that dark valley, your faith is exposed. Did you know that? That is why God allows suffering in the life of a Christian, is to expose your faith and see where and how you need to grow in your trust of God. That is why you go through pain and suffering. It is a means to expose the faith of you in God and lead you to trusting God more and more. That's why God allows us to walk through darkness. Job gets to the end of the letter and God shows him exactly why all this has happened. And what Job does is he confesses this. No purpose that you have ordained and appointed can be thwarted. You are the Lord. He's saying that after he's walked through the valley. We can't avoid the darkness and we can't run from the light. We have to understand those things are means of grace to expose our faith. But the question is, your, te- your faith will be tested and the, t- the testing of your faith exposes your need to trust God. But how do you Continue to grow in your faith. Three important things to help you as you experience the testing of your faith by light and in darkness. How do I continue to strengthen my faith? Number one is that you regularly sit under the preaching of the scriptures. 
This is not a shameless plug for me as a pastor, uh, but it's the reality is that your faith strengthens and stays active by submitting your mind and your heart and your body and your butt to the seat of listening to the scriptures preached. It is how your faith is going to grow stronger, not because of human ability, But what happens is when you hear the word of God, guess what it does? You hear about the character of God. You hear about the promises of God. It becomes more and more real that what happens is your faith actually conforms to the reality of who God is and what God has said about himself and what God has said he will do for his people. Do you hear what I'm saying with that? Is that the more that you submit under the word, the more that you actually become conformed to the reality that you trust who God is and what God can do in your life as a Christian. You need the word. Like, the stomach needs food. You always need the word. Submitting yourself keeps the faith strengthened and active. Second is fellowship with God's people. It's fellowshipping with the people of God. Fellowshipping with the people of God. Biblical community. In Hebrews 3, verses 12 and 13, the writer of Hebrews exhorts the Hebrews, their experience in persecution, to not grow hard-hearted, hard-hearted and fall into sin. Exhort one another. You need biblical community to keep your faith active. That's why the churchless Christian is an oxymoron. You can't be a churchless Christian and be a Christian. You need the church. You need the people of God to help build up your faith. Thirdly, you have to be in the Word if your faith is going to be active. You can't just simply depend on submitting yourself to the Word of God through preaching of Scripture every weekend on the Lord's Day, and it can't be just biblical community. You've got to get the Bible inside of you. Here's, here's, a, here's like a value and a hope, that when people look at the people of Doxa and life pushes you over and you skin your knee or you cut yourself, what bleeds out of the people of Doxa is Scripture. It's God's Word. That we would be the kind of people that when we go through hard things in life, that when we, res- we see those hard things in life and people see us, that our trust is firmly anchored in God because of our understanding of our minds and our hearts being increasingly conformed to what the truth of Scripture says. You hear what I'm saying? It's, it, you have to get in the Word yourself. So your faith will be tested. Secondly, your faith is going to empower you to stand against the wiles of the devil. It's triumphant. As you look back at verse 16, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Look at that word, uh, two words, you can. That's one word in the original language, but you can literally means dynamite. It speaks of an explosive power that when someone wields the shield of faith, the faith that trusts God in all circumstances, guess what you get? 
Guess what you receive? You receive divine empowerment. He says you become powerful enough that you can stand against the fiery darts of the devil, the evil one. See, faith is an impenetrable covering for a Christian. Faith is actually a covering for a Christian. It is powerful enough to extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. But the, sh- the shield of faith that has the ability to put out the wiles of the devil, it's not based on how big your faith is or how little your faith is. It's the faith, the object of your faith, in which makes it possible to stand against the wiles of the devil. Here's what I mean by that. Here's what I mean by that. Is this, your faith in God makes you triumphant. Your faith in God, because you're trusting that God loves you as a child of God and that He has a plan for you and that He has a purpose to accomplish His glory in your life and to advance the kingdom of God in this world, in your home and in your school and in your vocation and in your community, that your faith in God helps you to stand against the wiles of the devil because your faith is in God. It's God who makes you victorious. He gives you the ability to stand up. That's why you would want to do what Paul says. He says, that's why you take up, is that if you hope to stand against the devil in all his wiles, you need to take up something that is of divine power. You take up the armor of God. You take up the shield. But the fiery darts come in many, many ways. He ambushes your mind with thoughts, temptations, doubt, despair, worry, envy, pride. And what happens is that those fiery darts in a battle is that they would shoot more than one. They would shoot two, they would shoot three, and it would create confusion to the soldier. See, Satan, the devil, will throw many things at you to create confusion and take your mind off of trusting God. That's what he does. He creates deception. He deceives you, creates doubt, creates confusion, creates you becoming so distracted so that you live life as if God doesn't exist, that God doesn't love you, that his promises aren't true, that the gospel isn't enough. That's what the Satan's aim is, is to get the Christian living as if God doesn't exist. That's what happened in Genesis 3. And that's what happens when each of us say that we're not going to live in full trust of God in each every moment of our life, that we become vulnerable in those fiery darts. Guess what? Our shield is down. And here he comes, sending us all kinds of fiery darts. So the shield actually empowers us. It protects us right? But it empowers us to stand. First John 5, 4 and 5 says this, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Your faith in God gives you victory. It it gives you the empowerment that you could overcome anything that the evil one throws at you. 
as we think about taking up the shield of faith, I pray that you would understand that your faith will be tested, your faith is triumphant, but you understand that your faith is not in a church, it's not in a theological system, it's in a God, a God who has proven himself faithful through what he's done to crucify his own son to pay for your sin and to actually resurrect his son to give you the faith that you and I enjoy.